America Meditating Radio Show. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. Hi, everyone. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. We bridge divides, we seek deeper meaning, and we answer life's most compelling questions from experts around the world. Because in a world of uncertainty and division within and out, we will need answers right here, right now. Join me and guests on America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Are you in need of a tech service company that's going to deliver the best solutions for your business? Then Atchanaka is your solutions headquarters. Here we specialize in your individual needs to make sure your business shines. For more information, please call 301-417-0070 or visit us at our website at atchanaka.net. Atchanaka, where we deliver for you. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar, the number four, children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. Hi, I'm Angela Peabody of Global Woman Peace Foundation, and I listen to America's Meditating Radio Show. In a light, taking just a minute, I relax my body and become aware of my inner light. I visualize each one of my thoughts weaving itself into this light. I draw from my heart the power of inner peace and the light of love. My thoughts are filled with compassion and forgiveness, patience and
Hello, everyone, and welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and we're broadcasting from the beautiful Meditation Museum in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. We had an incredible um, experience over the weekend. Um, We have a guest that's visiting and someone who's just got this incredible spirit of just being himself. And he's been teaching meditation for 30-something years, and it's it's kind of comical because he's someone that when you sit and have a conversation with him, you know how you and I would like, well, how's the weather? Um, oh, yeah, it was a beautiful day today, finally. He just gets right into it. Hey, do you meditate? Look at my third eye. This is how you have to feel. And we just crack up because in Washington, we just don't do it like that, right? But here's the irony, everyone. Everyone's loving him. And so I turned to my team and I said, I think we've been doing this wrong. And we're just sitting kind of perplexed that my interpretation of the journey inward is a very gentle one because there's a lot going on inside of us and there's a lot going on outside of us. And then you have a meditation instructor who says, don't move, stay still, don't even breathe, just be still. And it's working for our visitors who are coming here. So at dinner yesterday, I sat with the team and I goes, everyone ready to tell everyone, don't move, just sit there, just breathe. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to share with you that very heartfelt, cute story of the weekend because I think that we all have our own way to try to return back to the self, to return to the spirit. And it's all important and it's good. It's so important for you to join us on the air where these conversations occur because it's through the telling of the stories that we get to know so much more about who we are and how much are we committed to our own path of goodness and divinity and power and strength. And for those of you who've been following since May 1st, we launched the Meditate the Vote initiative and we were so surprised that it's been so well received, maybe because we're not taking party sides. We're not initiating for you to vote for a particular candidate. Meditate the Vote is about initiating you to kind of stand up and be a very big part of the process, to be able to be informed, to intuitively sense what you need today and what's going to actually play out in your tomorrow. And the questions that we have in Meditate the Boat, I think, are very, very important. Questions like, are you powerful enough to effect change? That is a form of meditation because you're going to have to decide for yourself if you're good enough for the best. Somebody was given a beautiful gift for her birthday. And yesterday she showed me a card because she returned the gifts. Apparently, she takes care of a family's children, and she enjoyed getting all the yoga mats and all of that, which were about over $200, but she returned them. And the reason for her returning the items wasn't because she didn't appreciate the gifts, but she said it wasn't useful for me, and with that money, I could actually pay my rent. 
because I'm actually behind in my rent. But the person who bought the gift took a lot of time and energy to think, to think about what they thought was important for her to keep, to make her happy. And she became very hurt as a matter of her returning the items and wrote her a very extended letter to just share her feeling of being hurt, just to say, I'm hurt, but I'm okay. And I'd like to uh, expound on everyone who's listening today. That's the process of meditation. Meditation is about really clearing out any internal debris that you might be holding for yourself or for someone. Something that I might have done to you that I didn't even recall, but you are definitely holding that in you. You need to be able to process that, write that through, talk it over, come to the person, let them know, and just release that negative thought in your mind. Because the reason why we become peaceless is because of those thoughts in the mind. And meditation now is becoming a big tool on the table. So when we look at Meditate the Vote, we're asking you to think deeper before you make a decision. Our country is going through a huge change, huge. And I think that we're now being called to dig deeper than we ever have before to find some resolves within our own being. When I was at the White House last week with the screening of Roots remake, it was clear that there were individuals that were still very much in the black and white issue in a sense of, who owns who what. And for me, I didn't see it as a black and white issue anymore, everyone. I saw this as an issue where we are all the root and we need to reconnect to the seed, to God, the divine. So I wrote an article and I posted it on Huffington Post and I hope that you could go there and take a look at it. And if you like it and it moves you, feel free to share that with others. It's um, Roots Returns Us to the Seed is a title. It's just a way that we can amplify the, the quality of our interaction in life because it's really important, especially now. We have an extremely special guest on the AM show, Mr. Dan Harris. Dan is the co-anchor of Nightline and the weekend editions of Good Morning America. Dan regularly contributes stories on ABC for shows such as 2020, World News with Diane Sawyer, and weekday editions of Good Morning America. Now, before joining ABC News 14 years ago, He worked for local news outlets in Boston and Maine. He has reported from all over the planet, covering wars in Afghanistan, Israel, Palestine, Iraq. He's produced investigative reports in Haiti, Cambodia, and Congo. You get an idea, this person is in the world. He has also spent many years covering America's faith scene with a focus on evangelicals. He's the author of 10% Happier, a number one New York Times bestseller book, and Hoist on My Own Petard, or How Writing 10% Happier Through My Own Advice Right Back Into My Face. So today we're very proud to welcome Dan Harris to the America Meditating Radio. Dan, what a privilege to have you on the air today. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. It's so cool when we hear individuals who are very engaged in the world that they still take time to reflect, to go back into meditation. And when we came to find out that you meditate, we were really, really humbled. You were a self-described fidgety kind of skeptical news anchor, kind of reminds me of myself back in the days. And then you stumbled on meditation. Um, How did it happen? What made you realize that meditation was something that you could explore? Uh, It's a bit of a weird and windy story. I'll give you the short version, which is that I had a panic attack on national television in uh, the year 2004 and it was I later learned that that panic attack was the result of some very stupid behavior in my life um, I had I had spent a lot of time as you mentioned in war zones and uh, that had created some depression for me and I had 
very stupidly self-medicated with um, recreational drugs, including cocaine, mm. and uh, that had artificially raised the level of adrenaline in my brain and, according to my doctor, um, produced the panic attack. So that happened, and uh, that kind of set me off on a, a little bit of a journey, which many years later ultimately... Sounds like an exciting uh, journey. <laughs> yeah, I, it, yeah, I talk about it at length in the book. I, I won't bore you with it now, but it ultimately led me to meditation many years later. And um, as you said, I was very skeptical, but uh, the science is really what changed my mind. But I think it's normal for us, Dan, in America to be skeptical about meditation. When I grew up, everyone who was meditating was like an escapist, and, and they wore funny clothes, and they smoked funny cigarettes. And in my interpretation, losers, losers, get a life. But then when... <laughs> But then when it hit me too, like, whoa, there's something more in me that I haven't tapped in, then I go, oh, no, am I going to become a loser? (laughs) (laughs) So tell (laughs) I'm so serious because it was very interesting. And so when you started your meditation, how did it start to actually put the life back more in charge for you? Was there a particular technique that you started to use? So I'll answer the second question first. I I latched on to what I guess what I would call secular mindfulness. Um, I'm a pretty secular, skeptical guy, so that was what really piqued my interest in the secular stuff. And, you know, that that, that technique is basically, you know, for your listeners, they may know this, but it really is a simple, just aware, breath awareness technique, at least at the beginning, and feeling your breath coming in and feeling it going out, and when you get lost, start again. And I think it did two things for me initially. Uh, one was that it helped me focus because this daily exercise of you know, trying to focus on one thing, your breath, and then getting lost and starting again, getting lost, starting again. It really helped me stay on task in, my, in the rest of my life in my um, very high-stress world. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing it did was produce mindfulness, you know, the ability to you know, know what's going on in your own head without getting carried away by it. And uh, that second one has really made a big difference for me. Well, I get that. Now, you've predicted that meditation will be the next public health revolution. I really hope that's a real Nostradamus true prediction because (laughs) it is not too distant in our future. We are seeing that there is a need, and we will see that meditation, the way we see physical maybe exercise, Tell us about your thoughts in this area. Do you really think meditation will be become mainstream if it hasn't already? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of signs that it's going mainstream. I mean, the fact that it's being picked up in in uh, in corporate settings like Google and Procter and Gamble and General Mills, and uh, the fact that it's being picked up in locker rooms like the Golden State Warriors, the Seattle Seahawks, New York Knicks, entertainers like. Um, the lead singer of Weezer, Katy Perry, Lena Dunham, 50 Cent, uh, the U.S. military, the Army and the Marines spending millions of dollars to research whether it could make more effective troops. All of that really, uh, I I think all those are leading indicators that we're heading towards something interesting happening. And I think what's driving it is the science. I mean, if you think about the arc of physical exercise in our culture, as I like to joke, in the 1940s, if you told somebody you were going running, they probably would have said, who's chasing you? And... (laughs) Now, then what happened was the scientists, you know, started to show the many physiological and psychological benefits of physical exercise, and now uh, we all do it, and if we don't do it, we feel guilty about it. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. where we're heading with, uh, with mental exercise. 
Mm, nice. Now, in your book, Hoist on My Own Petard, you tell the story about your experience after the runaway success of your memoir, 10% Happier, and the lessons you had to learn or relearn in the process. I mean, I've always loved, you know, those moments when you were so strong and convicted about something, and then you had this aha moment, and all of that went out the door like you knew nothing. And then you come to go, oh, well, there's something so much more. I'm so sorry. That was then. But here I am today. Tell us about the experience that you had, you know, like after writing the book, and then you realize, whoa, there's something more. What was going on with you? Well, I think it's just that, you know, uh, the, I'm a little bit covered because I wrote a book. The book is called 10% Happier, so I'm not claiming to be perfect. Right. But I do. I am, like, going around t- telling people they should meditate and that it will boost your mindfulness. And I am an imperfect uh, messenger because I am prone to, like, overeating cookies and checking my <laughs> Amazon rank and uh, obsessively and uh, and things like that. And, and, you know, I still have lots of bad – or, you know, ignoring my wife and checking my emails or whatever. And so I have plenty of bad habits that haven't completely vanished just because I'm a meditator. And actually I think that's a useful thing to talk about because, first of all, for anybody who meditates, you shouldn't feel overly guilty about, you know, not being perfected as a consequence. And second – you know, in my world, which is, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to convince people that this is something they should should investigate, you know, I, I, I think it is it humanizes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It does, and I think that many of us, and I can tell you in my 20s, Dan, when I started my meditation path, within four years I thought I was perfect, right? And everybody around me used to kind of look at me like I was some great god or something. And so they were looking at me like I was perfect. So I played that up. But one day I'm sitting in silence in my meditation room and my conscience knew, look, there's no way you are what they say you are. And now what are you going to do? And I remembered getting up from that moment and I knew that even though I'm on the path of enlightenment or a path of getting to know myself, I didn't have to be perfect the moment I realized that I was on this path of meditation and spirituality. My perfection would perhaps show up somewhere at the end. Like the Wizard of Oz, when they all got to the end of the yellow brick road, they realized it was always in you, stupid. So it was like, I I think a lot of people feel that when they're in meditation or doing meditation, their expectation of their behavior must be higher And what I would be prone to say, and maybe you can concur, when you meditate, your expectation to be more aware of what's happening in you is higher. Would you agree? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, First of all, nobody's under the misapprehension that I'm perfect, so there's no, uh, I'm not... uh, (laughs) Nor me. (laughs) I'm not burdened by I'm not burdened by that, but I think that's right. You're more aware of what's going on internally, which affects your behavior externally, and when you do something unskillful, I think you're quicker to recognize it and apologize. Exactly, and I love that. I love that as being one of the key benefits of being a practicing meditator. Dan, throughout your career, you've covered wars, local news, national news, fate scenes. How would you describe the current state of existence that you're witnessing today? The current state of existence in the world? Yeah, what's going on today? Like, what's your interpretation? Because prior to meditation, you looked at the world, I'm sure, with a unique eye. And after meditation, your eye will kind of change a little bit in how you interpret what's going on. Are you really optimistic for the future of humanity? You know, the fact that meditation is getting more popular does make me optimistic. But certainly, uh, there are lots of 
much more pronounced trends that are, are reasons for pessimism. Global warming is one of them, a huge issue insufficiently explored in the popular media, in my view. Certainly, war has not evaporated, which is and doesn't look like it's on the cusp of going away. Racism is still alive and well. Persecution of women and girls is alive and well. So there are a lot of global problems that I'm well aware of that concern me. I, I, I can't make a prediction about whether, you know, we're heading in the right direction or the wrong direction. I think there are encouraging signs. I think overall the culture is more inclusive. I like, for example, um, me too. I, like I, love that. I like the fact that we are more and more open to uh, gays and lesbians in our culture. For example, the New York Times had an interesting editorial the other day pointing out that um, the new head of the army is an openly gay man, and, and it didn't wow. even like make that huge of a, a splash when it happened. So I think it, that's a sign of how normalized that kind of acceptance is in our culture. And so I, I think there are positive signs and negative signs. It's hard for me to know what my overall diagnosis is, so I'll leave it at that. You know, I love that word, and I've been hearing it over and over again. I think we should start a movement, just this word, acceptance. Like, that seems to be the season and the age. No matter what it is that's different, you always feel that if you're not able to give love and respect to the person or the scenario, then the power of acceptance is definitely being urged for you to come out with, you know, and I can feel it more and more, even as you say, I've got a Trump card or a Trump question to ask you. If you were to approach the presidential candidates, and I know this has been quite an interesting season for our country, you must be like percolating in your awareness when you sometimes read some of the conversations that you pick up from the news. But if you were to sit down with Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, or Donald Trump, and introduce meditation to them, Dan, how would you do it? It's a great question. Uh, you know, I would say, do you ever find that you're doing things that you later regret, saying things or acting in a way that you're later not that happy with? I think we all feel that way. And that's because we're, we tend to be yanked around by our emotions and urges and impulses and thoughts. And meditation is just a way to help you be more internally aware so that you aren't controlled by this little voice in your head. I mean, that's that's the value proposition, I think, for a beginner. Great question. You would ask them that. All right. So thank you for these thoughts and ideas. I think they were very, very powerful. And before I do let you go, I'd love to find out from you, Dan, what is your best vision for yourself that it would actually make America and the rest of the world a better place? Look, I've never thought of myself as that important or impactful, but I really like that I can play a small role in popularizing this very simple, secular, scientifically validated technique for having a different relationship to your inner life so that it doesn't, as I said before, yank you around. And, and I think that, I, I, you know, on my more optimistic days, I think that a broader acceptance of meditation can actually change the way we are as a society. If, if taught in schools at a young age, what will that do for bullying and racism? And, you know, what could that lead to? What kind of impact could that have down the road on marriages and political behavior and road rage? And so there's, so I see that, that there's potential here for a, a very exciting shift in the culture if, if this practice takes hold. And so I, I love the idea of playing a little role. You know, I, I obviously I wrote a book and, and 
I'm excited about that. I, I have a new podcast, also called 10% Happier. I've got an app that teaches people how to meditate, called 10% Happier. So I'm trying to do as much as I can to get this thing out there. And if I can play a small role, I would, I would be very happy about that. Dan, I love your humility. Share with us where our listeners can find out about the book and the podcast. The book is on Amazon or in, in bookstores everywhere. The podcast is in Apple Podcasts. We do uh, at least one a week. We just started that a couple months ago. The app is in the App Store on Apple, uh, and if you don't have an Apple device, you can get it through our website, 10percenthappier.com. First week is free, and we'll just teach you how to how to meditate, and you can subscribe after that if you want. But uh, frankly, after the first week, you really, I think, you learn the basics. So, yeah, that's it. Beautiful. Whenever you come to Washington again, please come by the museum and do a session on your 10% happiness and a book signing. I think we'd love to have you, and I think our visitors would definitely receive it very, very well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All the very best to you and your wife, and listen to her some more. (laughs) (laughs) I do my best. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. You're welcome. So the whole concept of meditation, you know, it is really not that flu-flu thing that we once thought it was, at least I should say what I thought it was. And we're beginning to see the amplification and the qualification of a practice that's ancient but beneficial. It's beneficial. And scientists are beginning to prove that if you use your thoughts in a more beneficial way, if you use your thoughts in a more reflective way, if you use your thoughts in a more kinder way, if you use your thoughts in a more loving way. Again, as Dan was saying, bullying, racism, all of these volatile negative behaviors would not be so pressing. Only one thing, maybe then there wouldn't be much news. Anyway, there's always room for something else. We want to thank you for joining us on America Meditating Radio today and hope that you enjoyed our conversation with co-anchor Dan Harris. Please do feel free to share this conversation on your social media site, but also meditate the vote. We would love your engagement and conversation and looking at the questions and to see how best we can keep having these, you know, mini little conversations and and events wherever we are, engaging in these questions and seeing how best that we can learn more about who we are and what what we are here to do, not just leave it alone to the presidential candidates to try to fix us or fix the country, but what are we going to do to also fix the country? So remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and what if, what if we all decided to love each other the same? Wish you all the best. We're going to end it with Sanatam Kaur, our very, very dear friend, people of love. Take care. <laughs>